What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of the Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 155th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. We are back, Floyd. We are back. I am back. I got a new headset that fits comfortably. So I am very happy about that. So hopefully I come through nice, crisp, and clear for you. And it is good to be back. Last week I took a little detour and I went to another podcast on the Social Suplex called Keeping It Strong Style. Yes. As we recovered the Forbidden Door. Unfortunately, the we recorded on Tuesday. And if we recorded like this Tuesday, it would have been perfect. But we recorded last Tuesday where Austin was just starting his new gig. We're not going to talk about where that is, but he's going to start. He just started his new gig, so wasn't able to have him on there. But hopefully, if you happen to listen to Keeping It Strong Style from last week in their Forbidden Door Review, I represented the show well, represented FTR well, you know, the AEW side of things. But yeah, I, I put them over all the time. They're the best New Japan podcast in the world, keeping a strong style and social suplex. Young boy Josh Smith, the, the the leader, the the president, the man when it comes to social suplex, Mr. Jeremy Donovan. Make sure you tune into their show uh, once a week. Keep up with all things keeping a strong style as we hopefully one day get towards a forbidden door too. We had a great time at Forbidden Door. I mean, you had a great time for Forbidden Door. And like I said, you want to hear what I have to say, you go on that show. But I, I said we were going to set up some time to show, probably going a little earlier than we prepared. Austin, do your thing. Tell us how you felt about Forbidden Door. 
Yes. So, yes, like we said, um, I will mention it just real briefly. I've just started a new gig in my broadcasting career. Big jump. I'm not going to speak on it much because I don't want to get into the legality of it because of certain things that I should not go further in on. But regardless, it's a big jump. It's a big move. Very excited about it. Um, and I just started last week, which is why I couldn't talk about Forbidden Door, even though I was itching about it because <clears throat> it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, I was in attendance for Forbidden Door like Floyd was. It was so great to be a part of it and even though it seemed like the show definitely like stepped on some sort of indian burial ground because there was a lot of injuries unfortunately in this show uh very disappointing in that regard um but regardless of the fact that even everything surrounding this show the show itself was absolutely incredible um i will tell a quick story actually um about one of our situations that we had with this show and i don't believe i told floyd this yet so my sister, Sydney, was meeting up with some of her friends from Thomas Island, Tomatonga's podcast and Patreon group. Great bunch of people. Um, and they were meeting up over by the Jordan statue in the United Center. And they were just all meeting up and hanging out. And this guy, unfortunately, can't remember his name or his Instagram handle, but I know my sister follows him. Uh, this guy came up to my sister and uh, their fr- and his, her friends. It was just like, you guys seem like a cool bunch of people. Here is one ticket for floor, row two, uh, not hard cam side, but opposite side. And it's like, my friend bailed on me. I have an extra ticket. Y'all figure out what you want to do with it. Y'all seem like a bunch of cool people. So here's a free floor ticket. Sydney's texting me this, and I'm like, did you stab somebody in Chicago? Like, where did you get this ticket? So crazy, crazy situation. What they ended up deciding on doing was they were going to split, like, that ticket throughout the entire show. So people would basically claim matches that they wanted to see from that floor ticket seat. Um, My sister claimed John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi because she loves Moxley. Um, Some of them claimed, like, the four-way for the All-Atlantic Championship. Some of them claimed – one of them claimed the four-way for the AEW – I mean, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Um Eventually, they were just like, well, does your brother want one? And I was like, I, I guess. And I claimed uh, Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy. And um, so, first of all, unbelievably sweet that they did that. Second off, I'm very glad I picked Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy because holy shit, that match was good. I was so geeked to be able to see Will Ospreay wrestle live. I know he's kind of a prick, but he's a prick who can wrestle really, really good, do all the kinds of flippy shit. And in terms of AEW, where flippy shit is king – He's just so good at it. He's just insane. I'm just was stunned at the view that I had for that match. Um, seeing fucking Shibata was unreal. I was literally like taken aback because I was like, "There's no way Shibata's here. There's no way." And when he walked out, it was unbe- unbelievable. And he gave us one of the best gifts of the year with him getting the sunglasses from Orange Cassidy. The whole show was wild. Um, I was definitely scared for Floyd during the three-way uh, tag match for the uh, ROH and IWGP tag titles because when Dax went out, I was like, "Oh no!" And I was, I was looking, I was looking for my boy because I was just like, "Oh my God, Floyd must be like terrified right now." But Dax came back regardless of the injury, pushed through, and now they are seven-star FTR. I'm so happy for these guys. It's so awesome. Um, the four-way for the All-Atlantic title was great. Pack winning it was 
absolutely the right way to do it. I think I think it's huge for him. Um, Sting is insane. When I saw him go from the rafters to the freaking stage and then he dives off, I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. And, of course, as we all know, Claudio Castagnoli. The moment I saw the Swiss flag on that Titan Tron, went ballistic i am so happy he is here in terms of guys that i would be like aw needs to get him claudio was absolutely one of my top guys and the way they incorporated him in the end of the show with eddie kingston was genius shout out shikara and the whole, all the shit that they went through claudio and eddie it was great touch um and then yes john moxley the new interim aew world champion beating hiroshi tanahashi very cool moment regardless of the fact you all know who my champion is. I think John Moxley holding the AEW championship interim. I'm going to put an interim every single time I mention it because there is only one champion. Um, Moxley holding a title with fans in attendance. He deserves it. I mean, literally, this man got the AEW World Championship the moment the pandemic hit and couldn't defend it in front of fans, including when he had his awesome feud with Eddie Kingston. So having him get this second chance almost is great and him being the first ever two-time AEW champion makes all the sense in the world um it was a really good show honestly i didn't cover everything of course because there's a lot still on this show um regardless of the fact though if you want to hear a full review definitely check out the keeping it strong style episode that our good boy floyd was on but i had a blast forbidden door was awesome cannot wait for forbidden door too we'll see if i can make that one as well yes yes that was I mean, it was one of the better, you know, it was a great weekend. And then, you know, uh, capping off for me, it capped off my June, which was probably the most epic wrestling month of my life. And, you know, just just the awesomeness of the month, it capped off with seven star FTR. And it's it's funny, you know, I I messaged Dex, uh, DM'd him on Twitter and he's like, I was looking for you. Right. Said those words to me. Oh man! You. What the? What world do I live in? <laughs> I've I've literally never asked anyone to follow me on Twitter ever. Not a thing that I do, right? But I live in a world where I mean, everybody's like, "Oh man, you had these dreams when you were young, right?" And it's like, but if I told twelve-year-old Floyd, right, say, "Hey, what do you do?" I mean, you got a good job. It's not what you really wanted in life. You got a good job. But you go see wrestling all the time. Uh, And on your birthday, your favorite tag team at that time is going to sing you happy birthday. Then follow you on Twitter. Then a few weeks later, you're going to become, see them become seven star. uh, They're going to win their seventh major world title. And you're going to be there for it. In like the, what, the second row. You're going to be there for the show. And you pretty much go to shows whenever you want to. He'd be like, that's, he would be like, that's pretty fucking cool. You know what I mean? Even yeah. at 11 years old, uh, 11 years old, he'd be like, oh, that's, that's good life. You know what I mean? Even me, I had that perspective from when I was young. And it was just like, he'd be like, okay, you're kind of awesome. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. And it's just like, when people ask, what would the younger version of you think? He'd be like, you're pretty cool. You know, <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. So it's just like my life is, my life is like right now in this little period of time. I just don't believe it most of the time, and so yeah, uh, can't believe got my good. So it's funny because Sydney, one of her friends from Tama, 
Xylene, Angie, right? Yeah. I've known Angie for a few years. <laughs> we met at StarCast, and we were at all the, you know, the first few StarCast together from Hawaii, and I'm, yeah, she was friends on Facebook, Twitter. I didn't know Sydney knew her, so that was kind of cool. Uh, I didn't catch up with her when y'all, when y'all, y'all met, but I was just like, it's just cool that I was like, hey, sorry I missed you. I'll see you next time kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of cool. And it was just, it was a great event. It was a great event. Got my chair, got my shirt. Uh, this, who got, who got to keep the chair? Oh, it was, uh, I, I can't remember his name, I, which is which is stupid because I, we, he literally drove us around Chicago for a little while. But I can't I can't remember his name. But um, Sid could tell you off like Amy. I think his no. Oh, I don't want to say his name wrong, so I unfortunately cannot remember at this point in time. I am not hating on that. Hey, better you know you don't want to get the name wrong. Might as well not say it. But uh, yeah, I, I just had a great time. Saw so many friends, so many people. I hugged and you know. Loved and all that kind of stuff. You got to get your picture with uh, Security Sam. Hell yeah, dude! It was just it was just a fun time. I know it was only a day, and I I'm just saying they're leaving. I don't know how the COVID restrictions and all that stuff, but I felt like they left a lot of money on the table not doing some kind of fan fest because <laughs> good lord, so many people came in early expecting it to be a fan fest. Yeah, I know. I, I definitely understand that. Um, and hell, I mean, like, um, it was funny the get the ticket out, uh, the the chair out, because Cindy was there on the floor for the last match for the chair, and um, she saw somebody who like because they gave people on the floor wristbands, and um, when we were trading the tickets back and forth, like we had a physical ticket, and only the guy who ended up keeping the chair had the wristband. So Sid saw somebody like from United Center Security take away somebody's chair because he didn't have a wristband. So Sid's just like, get down here. I don't want to lose your chair. But thankfully, they were able to get that all sorted out. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I understand definitely that they could have done a fan fest and it would have been wild. I think it would have done them a lot better, too, if they had even more Japanese talent actually in for Forbidden Door, I think then you could have probably really gone wild with a fan fest. And hey, who knows? I think maybe if they like when they end up doing it again, and when they do Forbidden Door two, like fan fest should definitely be on the on on the table because if you're getting even more talent from New Japan to show up, like if we get Koto Ibushi next year, like yeah, you got to do that. So I ask you this, just uh, hypothetical. What do you what do you think? Should it be okay? So I've heard three different things. My, uh, one show a year, well, like this year is in the United States, next year is in Japan and rotate. So every time you have it in the United States, it's this huge thing because it only comes two years. Heard that one. Uh, other one, I do one in the United States, one in Japan every year. I heard that one. Uh, and then other one, not really have a plan. Just, you know, kind of rotate and come as you may. Uh, what's your idea of what they should do? Um, I would say definitely like my idea of it would be like, like you, you trade off every year. Cause I feel like Japanese fans should definitely get the opportunity to see people from AEW live. And, um, of course it's going to be difficult, um, with still pandemic reasoning, but I'm hoping at least like by the time that we would have another forbidden door, um, like restrictions would be like 
well taken care of. Of course, like I've said this before, and you know, we slow on this shit. But regardless of the fact, I would like to see them kind of trade it because I want the Japanese fans to be able to experience uh, something like that. And it only f- seems fair um, that you kind of give and take um, because I know Japan. New Japan wants to get like AEW guys to be able to do stuff in Japan, which I mean, Moxley's already done that, and I can't imagine other wrestlers not being up for doing something like that. Yeah, uh, my whole thing is I am definitely with the either one of, but I would uh, think the one a year, uh, one in Japan, one in the United States every year. So the one in the United States in June. And then the one in Japan is, you know, basically when it's their slower period of time. So it adds to an extra event. Actually, they run smaller pay-per-view type shows around uh, in, you know, in the middle as they get to Wrestle Kingdom. So and it's usually kind of a slow period of time. So throwing in there like another forbidden door would be another money making system for them. Or, you know. I mean, they could probably do Wrestle Kingdom like a for sure type thing. I don't know what they want to do, but I, I definitely want the Japan audience to do it. I I am very I've been very open that my first time in the UK, I very much plan it for the first AEW show in the UK. I plan on being there if they give enough notice, and if they do a Forbidden Door in Japan, I won't be at the first one. I can't flip that. But yeah. if I know it's coming the next year, I can, you know, save in advance. Because that's a big trip, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to Japan somewhere I've never been. I'm going to want to sightsee. I'm going to want to do all the stuff because I've never been to Japan. So that would be a really expensive trip. But Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I would have to put some back time for that, but... I am like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I, there's a lot on the table, especially since so many people were injured. Um, you know, we didn't get a Okada singles match. You know, th- 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 and that's a big deal. Okada's uh, the one of the best, if not the best, th- biggest attractions. God, I got to tell you, okay. So I felt like there were some really good pops in the show. FTR. Yep, you know, I know what o- you're gonna say. OC, but I just felt like Okada was on a different level. Like yeah, no, no, not even close. The term I used was like he's the closest thing to John Cena, not in the WWE. Yeah, I mean he's he's such a white whale for so many wrestling fans. Like you know, like I've seen this person wrestle live. I've seen this person wrestle live. I've seen all this stuff. I've never seen Okada live. I feel unbelievably blessed because this is the third time I've seen Okada wrestle live. The first time was All In. Second time was G One Supercard. This was the third time. So I feel unbelievably blessed that I've gotten to see this man wrestle this many times. But for a lot of people, this was their first time. And it's still, you hear that coin, and then you just fucking come unglued. Yeah, it's just a different level. It's like, everybody's like popping the night, and I'm like, Okada. I mean, it it was just louder than everybody else's. Claudio was close, close, Claudio but... Was close. But yeah. you think about, he was debuting. This is a yes. guy that, you know... Wrestler in a fatal four way, uh, just you know, one of the veteran worlds, and he was so over. Um, it's funny, you're three times, I was there for all three times. I yep. had one extra time because they did the G1 in Dallas, they did the first day, of the yeah, yeah, Dallas, yeah. So that's only two hours, the three hours from my house, so I got <clears> to see that one. So I've sat to see him wrestle four times, and it's just great. I mean, it's never. 
it's never not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get them very often, so. But, yeah, we can go ahead and continue on with the rest of the show. I just wanted to get a little bit, because I, I really wanted, you know, to get Austin on the show last week, and it was just like. It wasn't going to happen. It was. It, I mean, it was your first week of your new job. I, I completely, I was like, if you noticed, I was kind of hands-off next week, last week, because I really wanted you to to have time to focus on, you know, getting your, you know, you know, getting your feet wet, getting familiar with the place and not Absolutely. being distracted by what we had to do. So, yeah, no, I'm glad to be back this week and uh, I guess you've enjoyed it so far, correct? I have. Yes. No, it's been a lot of fun. I've very much enjoyed my time um, and it's been it's been a blast, dude. It's been an absolute blast. Um, and the, the one last thing I'll point out, on, I'll mention on Forbidden Door is I am very hoping for a speedy recovery for Adam Cole. And if anybody is actively talking shit about Adam Cole, like get yourself sorted out. Adam Cole is like one of the most genuine people in wrestling I've seen in a while and if you're going after adam cole like come on like literally like i don't want to hear any of it i know Britt baker already flamed all of y'all's on twitter so you know stay mad um but regardless like Lee, like let's be let's realize how dope adam cole is please because i know he suffered a fucking bad concussion it looked rough yeah, and you know, happy birthday, Adam Cole. Cause yeah, happy still, birthday as well. Yes, yes no, but um, yeah, I, I, I like I. Someone had to tell me that the tide was kind of turning on Adam Cole because I, I don't know how my account set up. I hadn't really seen a lot of people flaming Adam Cole, but it's the it doesn't make sense. No, even when he was in the NXT, I was like, okay, he's the most ready-made guy in the, uh, NXT to be in AEW. He wrestles the AEW style, which is the independent style that I wouldn't say he helped invent, but he did help perfect. You know, those, yeah. those NXT takeover shows that everybody were like, oh, these are the greatest matches alive. A lot of times Adam Cole was in those matches, you know, so it's just like I, I don't really understand it. I mean, I know he plays a heel. But good lord, if you ever meet him, if you ever go meet him at a one-on-one or something. If you ever see him in his streams. Yeah, he's the least heel human ever. I mean, he just seems nice. And, I mean, like, and it, it, maybe it's the disguise to stab you in the back, but I wouldn't be able to tell because the dude just seems like a really cool dude. So shout out yeah. to uh, Adam Cole. Hope he has a good birthday. And I hope, you know, I don't know. I just like I'm. I understand Twitter, and I understand when you become a celebrity, you understand some of this is going to happen, especially in 2022. But it just seems like people are just like, it's like when someone deletes their Twitter or goes away. People, there's there's some dude, and there's some dude in his house, basement, whatever. I don't fall into the mom's basement thing. I just like a very lonely human going, yes, I got him off Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, and there's some kind of accomplishment in their life, and they go to Wendy's and get them a double stack or some shit, and they celebrate <laughs> getting somebody off of Twitter, and I just, uh, I just feel really, really bad for them. Yeah, it's just like I don't know, I don't think about that when people like mess up in the ring or anything like that. The last thing I think about is to go get online and tell them. This thing that they've worked their whole life for to get on this national stage. You fucked up and I saw it. That's yep. I need you to know. 
Yep, and you should feel bad, and you should feel bad. It's just like, yes, if you've ever met, if you've ever talked to someone that wrestles, I'm, I'm talking independent, I'm not even talking, like, dude works at your local, wrestles at your local flea market, no one is harder on them than themselves. Yeah. From local flea market to world champion, they are their own worst critics. They they don't even messed up, and they're gonna work on not doing it again. Exactly. But yeah, I just don't know. I just could I could not put my life into trying to make someone else miserable. Yeah, no, literally. Right. Um, but regardless of the fact, though, um, we can go ahead and get into the show. But before we do everything, though, make sure you guys continue to download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is by following us on social media. The thing we just shat on. Yeah, please follow us. We're at AT. Elite Pod on Twitter at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all their other shows, including the Keeping It Strong Style episode on Forbidden Door that Floyd was on. Myself on Twitter am Austin Sumowitz. I am Austin Sumowitz S Z U M O W I C Z, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Of course, we had blood and guts from my city, my city, Detroit, Michigan. We out here in this bitch, um, and I was I was geeking for this. And unfortunately, our good friend Floyd was not able to attend Forbidden Door. He, ha- I mean, for, uh, Blood and Guts. He had the ticket. We had the ticket for him, but he the, was not able to work, attend. The work. Um, uh, we live in a time where a lot of people are re, you know, examining what they need in life and where they want to work. And unfortunately, uh, no one's fault or whatever. But from the time we started in January, my team where I work, which I don't ever say, <laughs> had seven yes. people. They're down to four. So, um, yeah. So, <laughs> when, you, when you go from having a staff of seven to four, yeah, there's less time off. There's more people working. It's like my friend's off for this week, and we're all working stupid amount of hours to cover for them. It's just the way life is, and... What my life is right now, and it this too shall pass. But yeah, I had to miss a wrestling show, and it's honestly, I think only the I've worked at my job eight years, and that's the only the third time they've ever had to tell me like, no, you can't do this. And if you think about that, that's I can accept that. That's an acceptable number. If this was like the twentieth time, I might be getting pissed off. But this is only the third time in eight years I couldn't go in somewhere because of a show. And twice have happened this year with the unexpected, you know, uh, unexpected turnover we've had. Yeah. But regardless, we did we did very much miss you. But even though it was uh, it was great, I considered bringing uh, our good friend Security Sam. I considered on bringing uh, him a, a Michigan hat. And I was concerned he might kick me out if I did that because of his disgusting OSU fandom. Ohio State is trash. Um, so regardless, I didn't do it. I felt I, I, I chickened out, but I did not want to get kicked out of the show. But our good friend also, Chad, uh, from my old podcast, pinned a pro wrestling podcast. He ended up joining with us, and it was his first wrestling show in a while. He had himself a ball. It was a great time. Um, but 
the show Blood and Guts opened up with all ego Ethan Page and the newly returning indie theme for Orange Cassidy, Jane is back. We have Jane as his theme yet again. And when I heard the build up to that chorus, to that intro playing, I was so ecstatic because I was like, oh, yes. Because I know that uh, Tony Khan said that that was the plan for Forbidden Door, but it got leaked. So he held off on it. And now we ended up getting it today. I mean, uh, at Forbidden Door, at a, my goodness, at Blood and Guts. So I was very happy that I was in there for that because it's just a really good theme. And I, I, I didn't mind Where's My Mind, honestly. I honestly thought it was fine. But this, I do think, is a good fit. Uh, it just works really well for Orange Cassidy. So uh, you're going to get to hear from uh, a not-so-positive Floyd. Terrible change. Terrible oh no! Age. Oh my, where's my mind? You sung along with it when they come out. It was the perfect song for Orange Cassidy, and now this song comes out, and I even went and listened to it on YouTube because I'm like, it's just not catchy like the other song. The other song's catchy. It's like even if you don't know who, even if you didn't know who Pixies were, you know, the song was catchy. The other song, not catchy at all. I'll disagree with you on that. I like I like Jane. I, I just sat there. I listened to it like three times. Like I'm one of those people that I am very open when it comes to like uh, very open when it comes to music. I listen to country. I listen to classical rock. It does not matter. I'm very open, and it was just like yeah, I like the other one better. And it's probably just a preference, you know. I mean, I mean, definitely just a preference, but it's just like. I guess I loved his entrance, so the idea that he would even think about changing it was weird to me. But I saw him on the Independent, so the first song I actually came, I saw him come out to was Jane, and guess what? Didn't even remember that was his song. That's how not memorable that song is to me. Damn. <laughs> I saw him for the first time in New York, and he came out apparently to that song. And I, if you would have said Floyd, million dollars, what song did he come out to the first time you saw him? My. <laughs> Where's my mind? I, I have no clue. I have no clue, but where's my mind? I find my, like, where's my mind is one of those songs, like, when I lose something in the house, like, through the day, I'll start singing Orange Cassidy song. <laughs> where's my mind? That I'll start doing that because, you know, that's what you do. You know, it's like, it, it's that catchy. So, I don't know. Like I said, am I going to lose sleep over him changing his theme? Absolutely not. I'm not going to ever quit watching wrestling because he changed his theme. Uh, Orange Cassidy air freshener still hangs up in my car. (laughs) Yep, same. Dude, there's a couple people from my new job that actually recognized the the air freshener and asked if that was me. And I was like, yep. And they were like, let's go. Yes. And and so I still love the dude. Don't get me wrong. And I knew he was going to have an excellent match. But it it, it did kind of hurt me that they got rid of him. Yeah, well, yes, like you said, though, it was still a very much excellent match. Those guys did a very, very great job. Ethan Page is genuinely, like, one of the most underrated people in AEW, I feel like. I think he's so good at what he does. His heel work, I thought, in this match was great. Um, And they had some really good transitions. Yeah, Orange Cassidy really just continuing to 
really showcase how good he is. A good win uh, from two orange punches, and they used the big uh, push of like how Orange Cassidy would try to body slam Ethan Page multiple times, couldn't get it to go, and eventually he gets the body slam to win the match off the two orange punches. Had a story going throughout the match. Ethan Page like bigger than him and was trying to really play up the fact that Orange Cassidy is not physically impressive like Ethan Page believes that he is. Um, and Orange Cassidy is able to pick him up and slam him. A nice, sm- a nice, simple, easy story told throughout the match. A good opening. It got people excited. Um, yeah. And also great work uh, sending best friends to the back and their outfits that they had class loved those outfits i posted them they posted them all over instagram and it was wonderful dude i would i I was like tyler jr was trying to figure out one of my friends i'm like we gotta find out where these suits are yeah we just need to rock these suits like it's been the sweatsuit week it was first that suit or 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 gym uh suit week i wanted that one right and then the next one, Mark Henry had his 1994 American one. Dude, I, I literally got on his Twitter. I'm like, two questions. Do you still have it? Can I have it? Because <laughs> I would wear that to every show. People would be like, I'm like, yeah, Mark Mark Henry gave me this. I'm good. I'm good. That's a good That's a good day. No, but uh, yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, Ethan Page, when, I, when he was in Impact, I was very adamant. Uh, and this was before he got in super shape. Uh, I was very adamant that he would be the top heel in my company because he's such a good dick. And like mm-hmm. when he talks, it's just you hate him. And now that he's gotten in shape and he's gotten the the outfit right, oh my god, he's like I always say he's like Seth Rollins. But a toned down version as far as the clothes of Seth Rollins. But when he gets on, he's so freaking annoying. And it's just going to be, he's just going to be one of those times where, unfortunately, like right now, there's an injury bug going around. This is his time to, I think this is the time for Tony to maybe try him in a little higher position. Because I think they're missing out on Ethan Page. I Yeah. I think he might as far as a heel, I think he's as good as NJF. I really do. I think he's definitely there. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no way you can't look at Ethan Page and what he can do and not say that this guy can't be a mega heel in your company and do really good stuff. And like MJF's a MIA right now. So like, honestly, like this should be a point where yes, he should absolutely try and get himself to the point where he can be in that position of being one of their top heels. I think he can really do it. Um, so I, I'm all, I'm all with you with that. Yeah, absolutely. They should try and have him go for that kind of spot. But regardless, this was still a really good opening match for blood and guts. We then had an in-ring interview with Christian cage. Well, actually on the ramp interview with Christian cage two weeks after he attacked jungle boy and turned on him. And Christian was saying he had to come out and apologize for the insensitive remarks on behalf of upper management of AEW and say he had to make apologies for the marks that he had made about Jungle Boy's family. Multiple, he, This man couldn't get a word out. Detroit was booing this man so hard. And, he, and he's like, I've never apologized for anything I've ever done or said. That being said, I'm sorry your entire family isn't dead, Jungle Boy, and that they had to witness you and me two weeks ago in that ring. And he makes a comment about Detroit saying the only thing this scumbag city has going for it is that you're close to Canada. And I'm just like, 
okay, sure, whatever. And calls us Motor City Sweat Hogs, which was very funny. And he said he's in street clothes, I, even though he requested a match. But the match was not requested for him. Heel Luchasaurus walks out. Darkened Luchasaurus mask. And he comes out and Serpentico is terrified. And he gets killed by Luchasaurus. And Christian Cage is now paired up with Luchasaurus as we still wait for the return of Jungle Boy. This is interesting, honestly. It's quite um, interesting. I don't know where this is going to go, quite honestly. I was very confused as to why just Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Express would possibly split up. But regardless, I am intrigued in what this goes in. Um, and Christian is so good. He's so good. Like, I... I like once he turned heel i remember i went back and watched a whole bunch of his old heel stuff after he turned heel when he won the world heavyweight championship and i watched all of that shit and i was like yep i'm so excited for heel christian and he's just as good as i thought he would be and yeah i'm interested to see what this pairing with him and luchasaurus brings don't be surprised if in the uh, first of all he is God level heel. Christian's one of the better ones ever. He's one of the most versatile wrestlers ever. Heel, face, whatever position you need, manager, whatever position you need, Christian is above average in all of it. He, that's, he's just so versatile of a character. Uh, Luchasaurus, I think this turned a change. You're thinking about we're a few years into AEW. I think it's this time. This was perfect time because I think Jungle Boy needs to evolve. And I needed. I, I think the first thing he needed to evolve was to get rid of Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus is a giant uh, heel that takes heat. Great as a uh, Christian's heater, as they were like. He's he's Christian's Tyson Tomko. You know, Christian always has a Tyson Tomko. You know, whether it's Tess or Tyson Tomko. Now he has Luchasaurus. You know, he has his muscle in him and someone that he can manipulate like that. Luchasaurus playing that role. Don't be surprised. For all you people out there that are big fans of Jungle Boy, right? Don't be surprised if the Jungle Boy character kind of goes away now. I yeah. might be slowly, but I think this is an evolution of Jack Perry. They want him to take that next step forward. And I think to take that next step forward, you're probably going to have to get away from Jungle Boy a little. Which I kind of understand because I think that that's something that I'm sure guys like JR and some other guys in the company might be pushing for because if he was going to be like literally a top star, like there are going to be some people that are just like, listen, the name's uh, an issue. And I it's 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 silly pro wrestling. So I don't think it's unfair to believe that a guy named Jungle Boy couldn't be a top champion. But I do think that there's still stuff that because we're, we're tapping into the family stuff with this story. Um, so with that being said, like, I think it would be very cool if Jungle Boy in response to his family being attacked and all this type of stuff and him being run down and Christian running down his family, that he takes that family name and actually goes out as Jack Perry. I think that would be fucking sick if that's the case of, uh, what they decided to do. Um, but yeah, I think if if fans are not expecting at least an idea like that, you might need to be prepared for that because I think, like Floyd said, we might be leaning towards that direction now with this story. I don't think it's going to be – it might be drastic. I don't think it's going to be drastic. I think he's just going to slowly get away 
to just being Jack Perry because, you know, again, it's a Tarzan character. It's a very 80s and early 90s character. It's really not a 2022 character, but people love him, so they get behind him. It is just like, you know, more and more people are leaning towards real. The John Moxley's, the Kenny Omega's, you know, people that are closer to their personality in real life. I'm not going to say Kenny Omega is, but, you know, some people that are closer to their personalities in real life. Let's see what Jack, let's see what Jack has. And, you know, and it was played up on who his dad is, his family is. It's like Christian didn't cut a promo on Jungle Boy. He cut a promo on Jack Perry. Yes. Moving on, though, from that, we had an uh, interview uh, with uh, TNT champion Scorpio Sky, um, basically um, going up against, uh, like, calling out Wardlow, and uh, they confirmed that we are getting a street fight at this week's AEW Dynamite between Wardlow and Scorpio Sky for the TNT championship, and either I see two things happening in this regard. Either A... MJF comes back and screws Wardlow, which I don't think is going to happen because I think he's going to be off TV for even longer. Or B, Scorpio Sky dies, which I hate to say because I love Scorp, but Wardlow is on a path of destruction that like, plus the TNT Championship needs somebody like Wardlow with it, honestly, because at this point right now, while I do love Scorpio, but that t- title kind of needs a big kick. And I think with a guy like Wardlow who's been riding a wave, like you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot with something like that. While Scorpio being TNG championship uh, material is absolutely true and he deserves the thing, that still doesn't mean that the iron's hot on him right now. If it can be down the road, but right now a guy like Wardlow should absolutely be getting that kind of push to try to reinvigorate that title. Cause we even got Miro out here on interviews being like, yeah, fans say I kind of ruined that championship because of how good my run was, which. Okay. So since that's now become public knowledge, let's fix this. And I think Wardlow being champion would absolutely fix this. So that's what I prefer happening. Not MJF coming back. Honestly, he, he can stay off TV as long as he wants. Well, my whole thing is, they did it in a street fight, and they obviously did it for one reason. There's going to be outside interference, and Orlo's going to lose. That's how I see it. It's just they're going to make this long stretch for Wardlow to have to fight. Because if you give him the title, right, you give Wardlow the title tomorrow, where do you go from there? I mean, even if he does a somewhat dominant run, people are going to get tired of seeing him winning fairly quick. It, and then they're going to be like, okay, it's time to put the world title on him. So you kind of got to slow Wardlow's pace just a little bit and a nice longer, I'm not going to say long, but a nice longer feud with Scorpio Sky trying to grasp, uh, do the title, uh, get the title out of his hands against someone that is so desperate to say champion, he will literally do anything as when he turned on Kazarian and he cheated to win his belt. He's going to do that to keep it from Wardlow. Yeah, and it makes all the sense in the world. I'm just, you know what? I just want Wardlow as champion now. Give it to me now. That's my joke of the day. Um, we'll move on now. We had a uh, trios tag match between uh, Platinum X Cassiter and the Ass Boys featuring Danhausen and a tag team of his choosing to team up with him, Detroit's own Danhausen. Um, first of all, uh, Max... As somebody who lives very pretty much right next to Flint, you'd be ashamed of yourself for that Flint bar. Be ashamed. 
but Dan Housen was like, you know what? I think I found some people that are pretty good at wrestling and brings out the brand new IWGP Tag Team Champion 7-star FTR. So, Huge pop. I'm in my house. I'm sitting with my wife watching the show, and I say it's going to be FTR. And like, yep. no doubt in my mind, it's like, it's going to be FTR. And he's and she was like, how did you, like, they get the music starts. It's like, so there was two big things. I always watch the Tuesday thing before uh, the preview before that's on YouTube. That's like 15 minutes long, the road to whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they caught a promo on it. They so did. They it was great. On it. I, I, everybody that's usually on that is on the show. So, so you spoiled yourself a bit. I didn't really spoil myself. It was, it was just it's logic, just knowing <laughs> you knowing what they. Okay, do. okay, okay. And then second thing, they freaking love Dan Housen. They've done the FTR FTR Housen before on Twitter about a month and month and a half ago. Ever since they've been faced, they've been like, you know, being like super friendly with everybody, and they put FTR Housen. And they kind of liked them before they turned heel, but they were trying to like downplay it. So, just and why I mean that, it's not something they say. It's just how they post on Twitter. I, you know, pay attention to that kind of shit. So it's like, okay, they're gonna, it's gonna be FTR because somebody was like, it's gonna be Hook and someone. I'm like, no, it's gonna be FTR. Like, yeah, which FTR? I'm like Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> we still, we still ended up seeing. Uh, thankfully, after the show went off the air for both Rampage and uh, Dynamite, we did see Hook come out with Danhausen, which I was very, very happy to see. But, but this match was very fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, this match was great. It was super fun to see all those guys together. Um, like I said, Danhausen having those two in his cor- in his corner was awesome. Um, plus, we also got a great. Uh, instance of Anthony Bowens revealing he wasn't even needing the wheelchair in the first place. Comes out of his chair, people popped for that moment, and he accidentally hits a crutch into the face of Austin Gunn. Dan Housing pins Austin Gunn and wins the match. Um, Bowens is like trying to explain everything, and the Gun Club is furious with the acclaimed, and Bowens is like all this type of stuff. Eventually, Austin Gunn got up and shoves Anthony Bowens, but then Billy Gunn shoves Austin to the ground, and he walks to the back with the acclaimed. So Billy Gunn kind of being like distancing himself a little bit or like just trying to send a message almost to his kids. So... Very intriguing on this. I thought this was such an intriguing thing because I've always said when Max and Anthony Bowen started tagging up and Max would rap and Anthony Bowen was like, you know, everybody, you know, will say the city and everybody loves. Everybody wanted to compare Max to John Cena, right? And I was, I've said on this show, my first thing I saw was the new Billy Gunn and Road Dog. That's what I saw. Because Max was Road Dog coming out and rapping, and instead of suck it, Anthony Bowens would say, you know, he does the acclaim thing. The act is very similar to what Billy Gunn and the Road Dog did. And then, you know, the the ass boys, you know, don't seem to have that thing yet. You know, that's how the story has played itself. So it's like it doesn't shock me, you know, even kayfabe-wise, that Billy Gunn would go with a group that's most like him. It's like he has two sons 
and they're kind of, I mean, Colton basically looks like him. And just like in like three years of lifting, he's probably going to look exactly <laughs> like his dad. But I'm just saying, as far as the charisma and stuff, that's with Max and Anthony Bowen. And it's just like the guns are coming along. I just feel like that's the story they're telling. Don't I mean, of course, I don't know how it's going to end. I'm actually looking forward to it because that was a twist. Because I assumed when Max and Bowens got out of line, Billy was going to automatically take his son's side, and he didn't. So, yeah, let's see where we go. Yeah, I'm so intrigued on that regard. We've had a quick little preview for Death Before Dishonor uh, for Ring of Honor's upcoming pay-per-view next month. Sanjay Dutt uh, backstage with Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal demanding Samoa Joe defending his Ring of Honor Television Championship against Lethal at Death Before Dishonor. So we got a little uh, preview of that in terms of the Ring of Honor side of things. Um, I'm excited for that. Joe and Lethal should tear the house down for a great match um, Massachusetts represent. yeah also um because at that detroit show um we got to see um satnam singh actually wrestle so gotta say solid stuff these like big motherfucker of course big and he was throwing people around having lethal do stuff with him was great as well um there's promise i want to see more um obviously i haven't seen as much of satin i'm saying as i would have liked to but from the small little bit that i saw in detroit on detroit on dark elevation it was very uh pleasant to see that he was doing pretty good and getting good reactions so you know what that's a good thing i am gonna go out on a limb because i did watch dark and dark elevation he is already better than the great colleague Oh my God! Now yes, yes, we can we can confirm that this isn't the great Kali. I'm I'm out on a limb. I am uh, I am ahead of the world. He is already <laughs> better than the great the great Kali. Three years in, <laughs> this guy's already better than him. He's such much more fluid. I think he's starting to get the idea of the big man gimmick. That's what that's what's most yeah. important. Because when you're a big guy, you don't. Man, if you do more than 10 moves, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're big. You don't need to do all that shit. Yeah. You know, and you're going to just, you show up and you're a threat. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we then had the TBS Championship Open Challenge match between the champion Jade Cargo facing off against Leela Gray. And she's done 34-0 uh, squash match. Jade was tired of fans and women in the back bitching and moaning. He's like, Stokely, can you give me some real competition? And Stokely's like, ah, she's fired up, and I know why. It's because she gave a comp- uh, an opportunity to every single person in the locker room, every woman, and nobody answered it. Gray doesn't even work here. And she had the wherewithal to seize the moment, and she pre- he proceeds to call Chris Statlander and Athena lazy. Those two come out, and they jump into the ring. Athena almost was able to go and hit uh, the Eclipse, but then uh, before that happened, Stokely uh, was able to get uh, into the ear of Layla Gray, who then pushed Athena off the top rope, and then they started beating up on athena and chris statlander so bit surprising that they decided to have leela gray literally just be like oh hey you know what maybe i should just get this money and then proceed to do that um so it was eh, honestly super funny because you know they were calling them out and saying they're lazy what happened is 
the, like the Twitter uh, thing of it, the extra layer of news you don't need. But I'm here to provide is that Jade actually sent that open contract out at 11.59 at night. <laughs> the story that, is th- that person was the only one awake and saw it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty That's that's pretty dang funny. Yeah, that's pretty so, dang yes, funny. Yeah, even TK said, well, I just got this open contract at a... Uh, at eleven fifty nine, and he's like, "You, uh, I'm forwarding a contract. You just emailed me to the entire locker room right now. Fortunately, I'm a night owl. So it was, yes, it was TK calling him out that hey, you sent this out so late. There's no one that's gonna see this. Yeah, and that's a nice little thing. Yeah, like I said, again, if you watch the show every week, you don't need to know that, but it's always fun to know. Yeah." And then they got a little backstage interview with the Young Bucks teasing what would happen on Rampage, which would be continuing the Forbidden Door a little bit with Goto and Hashi, Yoshihashi facing the Young Bucks on Rampage. So happy I got to see Goto and Yoshi again. So happy about that. My friend Chad, who's a big Indian New Japan mark, when he found out Goto was going to be here, fucking dude lost his mind. He was so excited for that. But regardless, it's a, it's the one match show that we all knew it was going to be. Blood and guts. The Jericho Appreciation Society, Angela Parker, Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, with Ty Conti on ringside, and the wizard Chris Jericho in their disgustingly awful red outfits, facing off against the Blackpool Combat Club with the interim world champion John Moxley, new member Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Ryuta, teaming up with Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz. And look, it's exactly what you thought it was going to be. It's violence, tax, glass, in fact. Yeah, glass and tax and just blood everywhere. Fucking dude. Angelo Parker, like the image of him hanging upside down from outside the cage with his face completely just bloodshed. I just knocked my phone down because it was so ridiculously disturbing and just violent. Picked it back up. We're back in this bitch. Um, Then Matt Menard got the shit kicked out of him. Everybody in this match was pretty much either bruised or bloodied or thumbtacks in their backs and bodies. Um, Claudio was out here doing so much and killing it. People climbing up onto the fucking goddamn top of the cage and Eddie Kingston throwing Sammy Guevara off of the cage and then just like full on like muttly just shucking and laughing like <laughs> like laughing up on top of the cage as Sammy flew off. There you go. You got your Jericho fall from the top of the cage spot, but it looked a way lot better. I especially loved the water bottle that was placed there that just happened to flip completely up in the air and the cap was all, it just offered a great image. Um, Cesaro, I mean, Claudio, see, I'm doing it too. Um, Claudio proceeds to get on top of the cage and spin fucking gives us the great swing of, I want to believe it was, uh, was it, I can't, was it, uh, who was the one that got swung regardless, somebody from that team got swung. Um, but it was very, very awesome. Um, yeah, the match was insane. Jericho got swung, right? Oh, it was Jericho, yeah. yeah. It was Jericho, yeah. Okay, well, and then we got a little bit of a slight truce between Claudio and Eddie Kingston because they proceeded to get the both 
of the signature match because Claudio had a scorpion deathlock on Daddy Magic, and Eddie Kingston proceeded to try and get uh, the tap out on Chris Jericho. Um, but Claudia was the one that got the tap first. But regardless, a little bit of a slight uh, bit of slight truce, but this isn't going to last long, I feel like. I think these two still do not like each other, and I want them to not like each other because we're going to get good matches if they don't like each other. But that was blood and guts. Again, it's impossible to go through everything. It was insane. Unfortunately for us, our our seats were like facing the entrance ramp off to like the back right corner side. So we could kind of only really see stuff when they were like right in the second in the second ring farthest from the ramp, um, which was great because we got a great shot of Chris Jericho just like posing to the crowd before he even entered the cage. Um, but that did mean like if anything happened on the right side of the on the on the on the if we're talking hard cam, the left ring. If anything happened there, it was a bit hard to see. And then if the, everything that took place on the on, like on top of the cage, like we didn't have the best view of. Didn't matter though, because it was just fucking insane to be in. The environment it reminded me very much of the environment that it was like for Anarchy in the Arena. Just fucking madness everywhere. People can't believe what they're seeing. Um, yeah, I'm just happy I was literally just in there experiencing that live even if I, my view wasn't necessarily great because on the floor for a blood and guts match it's kind of good if you're in the lower bowl because unless you're like ringside for it like you're not seeing everything you're you're just not but regardless fucking insane yeah uh i've heard people try to compare it to the other blood and guts i'm like it's a different thing because uh, of how the audience is set up and everything. It's just different. It's in Detroit. You know, the malice in the palace was there. So having blood and guts just seems like... Well, I, I will I will go ahead and, and I, will add, I will add to that. That was in, in Detroit. That was in Auburn Hills. The palace was outside of Detroit. Yeah. Um, regardless, yeah. though, yeah, I, no, did love, well, I did like the malice at the palace line. Yeah. Um, even though that see, like that moment in sports is played to death in Detroit and people constantly talk about it. And I'm just kind of like, can we talk about how my team won the championship like a few months before that happened? Can we talk about that? I would rather I mean, we talk about that. I mean, it, was, it was a it was a brawl in the middle of a basketball game. And it's all Ron Artest's fault. That's a lie, actually. It's the one jackass in the crowd who threw but a beer. It's the one thing you can say this. It's the only time it's happened. Yeah, like, very true. You go back to the 80s and 70s where, you know, like, Fights happen between players, and you know, drunken beer belly guys were on the crowd. No one just got in a flat out brawl in the court until the mouse and the prowess. It's just, it's such a phenomenal thing. How many things can you say one of one? Never happened again. I mean, that's that's it. It's like, dude, that's not gonna happen again. First of all, it showed it showed a bunch of fans. How athletic and tall these big these players really are. It's like they go out there and he's like, "Yeah, that dude can take like three of you just based on athleticism." It's just, he doesn't even have to know how to fight. He's just faster, stronger, bigger than you. And everybody's like, "Yeah, they don't want to be the guy that pulled up his pants and got knocked out by Ron Artest." So everybody sits in their seat now and just throw all their shit from there. But no, it's it's one of one. It's amazing. So you get the. You got that war. Now you got another war that's going on. War games, you know, which is, you know, the granddaddy of blood and guts. Such a, the sixth person, 
little too many for me. Hard to keep up with where everybody was. The camera guy did a good job, but I would still like the 4 on 4 or 5 on 5 format. That's just me nitpicking. Nitpicking. Um, yeah, lots of violence. Um, unfortunately, Santana looked to do something to his knee. I have, yeah. I don't, we haven't got it confirmed on whether he blew it out or whatever. But Santana hurt his knee because he got down in one spot and just didn't get up. And they did the, yeah. they did the whole thing where the whole team was on the top of the cage celebrating. And he wasn't there. Yeah, and it's just like, so we're going to have to see what happens there. But if you watch the buildup to... Uh, uh, to dynamite tomorrow, Matt M- Matt Menard cut. Oh my god! Amazing, like two minute promo, and he did something. He said, you know, he's loyal to Jericho, and he said he tapped to protect Jericho. He tapped. It was it's just such a great piece. He tapped so Jericho didn't have to, so Eddie Kingston didn't get what he wanted. Yeah, he says, I took that away from you. I tapped, or you could make Jericho tap. And you saw at the end of the match when he uh, when they tap, and he saw that Jericho hadn't tapped, and that the other guy tapped. He was distraught. His yeah, feelings was hurt. He was broken, and he was kind of mad at Claudio. But Claudio was like, "Dude, I'm trying to win the match." Yeah, I've been fighting. For, I, I, he was the first one in, right? Claudio was like the first he, guy in. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. he was the. I believe he was either. The first or the second? Yeah, he believed he was the first. Yeah, because he was chasing Sammy Guevara. Yep. I've been going in a war that you started for 40 minutes of fighting. I'm trying to end this bitch. I'm trying to go home. You're <laughs> like, we've been fighting. I'm not worried about if you get to tap out or if I get to tap out. I'm just like, somebody got to tap out. And he kept saying, but we won. And it was just this moment where Kingston looked like he was about to punch him. And he finally like, oh, okay, we won. And then he gives him the fist bump. And it was just like, Eddie Kingston is one of the best in professional wrestling. Yes. And and it's like, it's getting, what gets lost is he does the little things so well. The motion, he didn't, no one had to come out and cut the promo for me. The motion conveyed in that moment that he was desperate to get his revenge on Chris Jericho by making him tap. And that, that revenge was taken away from him by the, other guy that he hates most in the world, Claudio, even though Claudio didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. It, it was just like he was just wrestling and trying to make the guy tap. And it was just such a moment that all that emotion was conveyed that you took something away from me. I hate you, but okay, we did one win, and it was like the cooler head prevailed, and he gave him the fist bump, and it was such a great thing. And I, I think I found John Moxley's weakness, too. Man, I don't know if you saw him climbing up that cage. That dude looked very uncomfortable climbing up. I don't think he's a heights guy. Yeah, I don't. I am as as another person that is vehemently not a heights guy. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I I once when we were in Orlando, they have the Eye of Orlando, where you can go up into that Ferris wheel, and you had to go meet (laughs) Bailey, and you basically had to. Pay for a ride on the eye of the Ferris wheel. So they did the same thing that they did with Toys R Us with me and Becky Lynch. Like that was what they did. Where it's like, oh, you want to meet Becky Lynch at Toys R Us? You got to buy something. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck? So you had to buy that to meet Bailey. So I bought it to meet Bailey, and he's like, oh, you get a free ride on that. I was like, no. And I walked the other way, and my friends were like, well, we're gonna ride up there. I'll be waiting at the bottom for you. <laughs> Floyd don't do heights. 
like <laughs> extreme heights. Like the height of a roller coaster, fine. You know, I, I can do that. You know, elevators, all that stuff doesn't really bother me. But just like you, you that ele- the whole idea of that Ferris wheel going to buy, it takes an hour to go around. And me just sitting up there at the top, yeah, I, w- I would stab someone because I would be that <laughs> panicky. So, uh, yeah, that's not for me. So, well, yeah, we, we I, know that now, though. I, I, me and Moxley, for a moment, who he is not my favorite wrestler, but he's very exciting. I felt like we were like kindred spirits in the moment of him climbing up that ladder, <laughs> climbing up that cage. Like, I don't want to do this. I know they want the moment. I know they want the picture, but I really, really don't want to do it. I mean, yeah. I felt that hard. And Sammy Guevara is effing nuts. You know, yes. it, it's like, I felt like they made it six just so he could take this bump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Literally. So, so he can take this bump. Like, they was like, hey, so uh, Matt Menard, you're going to go off the top of the cage. Matt Menard's like, no. Uh, Angela Parker, so you're going to go off the cage. No. Jake Hager's like, nah. He's just like, don't even look over here for me. And they're like, well, who, who do we know that will go? Sammy, you're joining the JAS. You're going off the cage. And he's like, sure. Why the hell not? <laughs> he is crazy. So, no. I love it. I, I loved it. I love the I love the whole thing. Like I, I I if someone was trying to compare it to last year, I don't really compare it to last year. To me, uh war games, that kind of stuff is like battle royals. Even a bad war games is a great war games. You give me the cage, you give me the bad guy with the advantage, you give me a lot of blood, you give me a clear winner, I'm good. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and yeah, like we said, best of wishes to Santana. Hope he's okay. Um, but yeah, this was a hugely fun match to be in, in, in attendance for. Um, yeah, it was just fucking, fucking wild. Um, but that was AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts. May have been a bit of a one-match show, but what a one-match it was, seriously. We'll move over quickly to AEW Rampage, still from Detroit, Michigan at Little Caesars Arena. We opened up with the Royal Rampage match, um, and this was a match that Tony Khan was like he had built in like he was as he was describing it before they started taping uh, Rampage. I was like, "You did a lot of coke before you made this match, definitely." But okay, let's go. So you no, got two. I gotta say something before we start this match. I don't. Did you see my tweet? About no. This last week. No. So I'm watching Dynamite, right? <laughs> And it's about 7 o'clock, and I was like, I feel like Tony Khan, I feel like AEW should really take advantage of the two cages and do some kind of battle royal. And there you go. 30 minutes later, they posted that. And they was like, oh, he listened to you. I was like, no. He's had this plan for weeks. But it's just how weird, because that shows you he thinks like a wrestling fan. Yes. You have two rings. Why are you not doing a battle royal? with two rings and he did it and the best thing is he made the two rings matter you had to win your ring before going over to the second ring yeah it was a really cool idea definitely wasn't explained uh a bit well by tk uh to the fans in attendance about how like you kind of had to go from winning your side of the ring then you could go into the other side regardless of the fact no one really cared um but 
this match had a ton of talent in there. You had Hangman, Brody King, Darby Allen, Dante Martin, Dustin Rhodes, Frankie Kazarian, John Silver, Keith Lee, Kanosuke Takeshita. I was so happy he was there. Matt Hardy, Max Caster, uh, Max Caster, uh, Orange Cassidy, Penta Oscuro, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Roosh, Swerve Strickland, The Butcher and the Blade, and Tony Nese. And, of course, the winner of this match would win a, t- a chance at the AEW Interim Championship. And this was a fun battle royal. Like I said, Kanosuke being there, I was so fucking happy with. Um, Swerve, unironically, became one of the big heels in the match because of him just being a complete uh, asshole. Um and just uh, uh, throwing out a lot of people's picks to who they wanted to win the match. Um, but regardless, uh, it was still a really good uh, it was a good battle royal. Um, I will tell you what, man. Like, I, I, it, it may have just been the people in my section, but like, talk about a guy that people are turning on a little bit. People turning on Darby Allen a bit, and I kind of don't understand it. Like we're we're AEW, right? We're the kind of guy, we're the company where it's like, it doesn't matter what your size is, where you come from, you can still be used and be a big star and do great things. But now all I hear is like, Darby Allen's too small, or oh, Darby Allen's gonna kill himself wrestling, or oh, Darby Allen's stupid. And I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? Like, I'm just stunned at the way that some people have just flipped on this guy. Because like, yeah, we know that he's small. We know he's not built. That is literally part of his character. That is literally what they have been trying to push is the fact that this man throws his body with reckless abandon. And even though he's not a big guy, he's not physically empowering, he still fights so hard. And that was the whole point. And he got over like so genuinely. But the coming around of people just turning on this man – like I remember there was one guy off to the side who was um, – I don't think he was more happy for that Brody King won the match. I think he was more happy that Darby Allen lost the match. That's the vibe that I got at least from the guy, which listen, Brody King winning absolutely would have been my choice anyway. Even though Darby Allen is like one of my favorites, Brody King winning and going up against uh, Moxley – that match is absolutely going to be fucking crazy. And plus, Darby, like, he will get a chance at the AEW title eventually. I don't think it's fair. I think it's fair enough to have him wait um, a little bit. But I just don't understand the fucking turn that people have had with Don- with Darby Allen. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, and the last thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say on this matter before Floyd uh, rebuttals on it, um, that spot of Brody literally, like, fucking hanging it. Darby in the air, like him limp over the the floor and then dropping him. One of the best eliminations I've ever seen to end a rumble or a, or a battle royal. So good, so dominant. It was just so dominant, and it just built him up as a threat immediately to John Moxley. I love that. Um, yeah, uh, I this is the first thing time I've heard of uh this whole you know kind of anti-darby thing i didn't know this was a thing that's all oh there were people around me at forbidden door and there were people around me in detroit like people were just not they're not fucking with guy anymore it's kind of crazy to me because i just thought if you would ask me who's the universally loved wrestler in aew i would just consider darby allen the one of them he, you know, like I said, he's my favorite wrestler. So this is kind of crazy to me. And in, in, when I was in my section, it was like Darby. You know, everybody was all into Darby. So it's crazy to me. 
that's the people turning around or turning on him. And it's so funny because it took me so long to come around and saw what he brings. Like, I was like, man, get bigger. And now I'm like, now I understand with his character and his presentation, the worst thing he could do is get bigger. You know what I mean? It, it, yes. It, it, fits in, it fits into the character that he's always undersized, but he has the fight in him. That Sting, when Sting sees him, he doesn't see, oh, you're an exact image of me. He doesn't see, like, you're 6'4 and big. He sees that you you have the fighter instinct that I have. You have the, you know, main guy uh, instinct that I have. So it would, like, the fact that people are starting, if this continues, that would actually kind of break my heart because, like I said, I came around. I was a sizes to the extreme, and it's just like so a guy just said, you know what? I am better than your expectations. Everything that you, your preconceived notions of what a champion looks like, you need to throw them out the window. And I did for Darby. And it's because of who he is, you know, because of what the energy he makes, he's changed my mind. So it would break my heart if like the AEW fan base in general was starting to turn on Darby. I don't think it's the fan base in general, to be fair. I think there are, like I said, some serious, uh, some serious a couple like just like maybe some just not even like yeah like bad like maybe just people that are just like trending off of uh, aw or whatever but like regardless i just i don't understand like yes. whatever in detroit and chicago you'll say you know especially main chicago there they can kind of be more wwe towns and you know as aw grows they're going to get some WWE fans at the shows. And WWE fans are used to the wrestlers looking a certain way. I'm not saying this to talk down to WWE fans because I just told you I am one. I was one. Yeah, and I, he I, had, yeah. yeah. I thought the same way. And he's had an impact on me that, like, literally no wrestler has. I mean, Rey Mysterio didn't change my mind about small people. But Darby Allen did. Yeah, like I said, I I understand if you're not a fan of like just Darby in general, but like to be like saying guy isn't good, like is just like and again, it's more so me just over maybe overreacting to a few people I heard around me. Yes, he's an exceptional wrestler. I'm like, you can say what you want about that man, but he's an exceptional wrestler. The way he throws his body around, the only person that is ever put in any danger from what he does is him. And you know, talking about the Bret Hart scale. Do you hurt your wrestler wrestlers? It's like, no, Darby doesn't. He's a very, just very good. And he's very exciting. He understands his role, his gimmick, his character. He understands that, and he performs to it. So, oh, my God. You, you know what? It's like I don't. I generally don't pay attention to people around me, but people booing Darby, that would, that would probably – I named my cat Darby. Like yeah, literally, yeah, I have a cat named Darby. Yeah. So if 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 like that when would, people blew in Darby like that, that regards would, like that would I'd trigger be, me a little bit. I'd yeah, have to be honest, it would trigger me a little bit. Understandable, yeah. But regardless, though, Brody, like I said, Brody King winning, absolutely great pick. The way he won it is amazing. And like I said, say what you want about Darby, he makes people look fucking menacing. Like if you go up against Darby, this man will sell for you. He will sell for you. So, fucking, he's great. But 
We then had a tag team champion, a tag team match between the current AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, against uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, back once again from Forbidden Door. So good that I got to see these guys again. Um, and this was a really good tag match. Of course, you um, there was actually it was very funny. Uh, there was a guy in the, who was sitting behind me on the floor who was like yelling at Bryce, uh, at, yelling at uh, the referee. Uh, and he was like, yo, that's five. Like, that's a five count. Like, get them out of the ring. And I'm just, I turned around. And I was like, have you never seen a Young Bucks match? And he's like, no, this is my first AEW show. And I'm just like, well, I need to let you know the five count doesn't exist in a Young Bucks match. Like, he's no, like. But in, in AEW, it's a 10 count. Oh, it is? A, that is the official rule? The official rule is that it's a 10 count. Okay. I did not know. I, I didn't even know that. I got you. I got you. Okay, official rule is that if for tag team matches, it's a 10 count. Yeah, it's the one, like, their tag team matches, it's the one way they're different. Okay, you know what, I, I, I've i been a fan of AEW since its inception. Didn't even know that was an official rule. Yeah. Regardless it, of the fact that I told him, like, that doesn't exist. The five count doesn't exist in this. And he's like, all right, cool. And I think dude still had a good time behind me, but I was just, I, thought, I was literally turned around and I'm like, you're on the floor of an AEW show. Have you never seen the Young Bucks wrestle any tag matches? And he's like, nope. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay, well, welcome. Um, but this was still a really good tag match between the Bucks and Goto and Yoshi. Um, nothing really too like crazy like out from like what we're used to with these guys, but they still did a really good job. And plus, it was just good to have like a little bit of carryover from Forbidden Door in Detroit. I really enjoyed seeing these two. Um, and yeah, Young Bucks got the win. Some great, great work uh, from the uh, Young Bucks as they got um, Matt Jackson in there, starting super kicking people, and then eventually they got the BTE trigger. But then they won with the Meltzer driver, which I was very happy to see they brought out because normally they just win it with the BTE trigger at this point. So I was glad I got to see that. Um, but it was a good tag match. Yes, uh, Young Bucks don't miss. They wrestled with these two people plenty of times in New Japan. That and Horoki Goto is amazing. Uh, I I've been told, I've been told uh, the other one. Uh, what is it? Uh, Yoshihashi has improved over the last two years. I thought he was really good in this match, but yeah, I was uh, very happy. Just a throwback to the New Japan. Before, you know, AEW existed, when the Bucks would go over there like a lot of times a year. And that was fun. And, you know, gave them something to do before they headed home. Yeah. Um, this apparently happened. I didn't see this actually in Detroit, but there was a backstage promo with uh, the Ring of Honor Pure Champion Jonathan Gresham with him and Lee Moriarty saying they were going to take on Gates of Anarchy from Tully Blanchard, Tully Blanchard Express Enterprises, sorry, Tully Blanchard Enterprises, and they would be facing each other on Rampage this upcoming week. So I didn't see that. They didn't show that video in Detroit. They just went straight into it's time for the main event between Nyla Rose and Tony Storm, which also Nyla so good with her trash talk. So good. Um, but this was a really good match, too. Nyla Rose and Tony Storm closing out the show. I was all for. Love me some Tony Storm. They did some really good stuff, and Tony really doing a great job um, trying to uh, get a win over the bigger Nyla Rose. Eventually, um, when she tried to uh, have. Uh, uh, she tried to uh, do the. Uh, the jump off the apron, but Tony was able to uh, get out. Well, she was able to get back in there. 
um, and she was able to get the win with her penult- pendulum t- DDT. And uh, Marina Shafir got in the ring and then jumped her and then proceeded to ha- get saved by Thunder Rosa, which leads into what's happening on Dynamite with the greatest women's tag team name I've ever heard in my entire life, Thunderstorm. That is so genius. Like, I got to give whoever came up with that a gold medal. That is the best tag team name I've ever heard for these two. Like, genius shit. Genius. Um, but um, this is a decent way to close out the match. Anybody who walked out of this for to beat the traffic, though, in Detroit, y'all should be fucking ashamed of yourselves. Because I hear all the people in the world talking about um, show respect to the women's wrestlers. We want more women's wrestling on AEW. I even saw a guy who had a, more, a women's wrestling sign at Forbidden Door. And I fucking fist bumped guy. And there was definitely a lot of people chanting and getting good reactions for the girls. But I saw people leaving also. So if you left during that, I understand it was a long show. I understand it took them a while to take down the blood and gut set for Rampage. I understand it was a really late show. But if you were leaving, y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. So, yeah, I was in Atlanta uh, December 1st. It was Tiffany's birthday last year, and I got to see FTR wrestle uh, against – it was like – I think Ray Phoenix got hurt again, so it was Pentagon and someone. Uh, and it was – I think it was Pentagon and Pac. And uh, they had a really good match, and, yeah, the crowd had left. <laughs> that is the one place that they're not discriminatory. <laughs> they they don't care who it is. They, they, I guess so. They, they don't stay for the main event Rampage match. They are out that bitch. And you know, I, I you know, it is what it is. It's not something I would do, but uh yeah, some people definitely do it. Uh, I really enjoyed the tag match. I've been a big fan. I mean, really enjoyed the women's match. I've been a big fan of Vicky having a stable uh, for a while. And I know Nyla, because Nyla never really needed someone to talk for her, right? Mm-hmm. Marina Shafrer does. I think she's all right. And, you know, you got a problem now, all that stuff. But I think Vicky could take Marina to that next level with her being an MMA. I don't even know if Vicky, I think she's still with the company. But Yeah, she is. Yeah, so if, yeah, having a, a tough girl women's faction with Vicky as the leader Oh my God, I'd be down with that. And uh, so, yeah, I hope that's what's coming up here. Nyla has kind of moved around from partner to partner. I'd like to see Marina stick for a while. Uh, yeah, uh, and Thunderstorm. Oh my God, such a great name. Uh, Tony, Tony, had a, Tony and Nyla put on a really good match here, told a very simple story. Uh, Tony overcame it. I would have liked to see Nyla win here. I would have, especially as a number one contender. Uh, but they decided to go back with Stoney. I think they're building to another Tony and Thunder match eventually, which I think will be very entertaining. I think they I, – I was very open about in Forbidden Door. They had a good match, but I felt like they left something on the table. So we, we can get that at the next match or whatever happens. But I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed Rampage this week. I thought it was, you know, solid matches. Yeah, I thought this was a higher quality Rampage than I think a lot of weeks you'll get. I think the Royal – Rampage definitely helped. That match had so much talent on that on that match, and also a great finish, like I said. Um, and then, yeah, you got a, a great appearance for more Forbidden Door stuff with the uh, Young Bucks and Yoshi and Goto. And then the girls did a really good job too. Um, definitely, I think they're leaving some more for a future match down the road. But Rampage was good. I thought Detroit got treated very well, considering how long it took for us to get that. 
Um, and Michigan will get another show, too, with Grand Rapids. So that'll be a lot of fun with uh, Battle of the Belts 3 and another Rampage as well. So that should be fun as well. But that was AEW Dynamite and Rampage. Um, real quick, I will say, too, um, I saw this on AEW's website, too. I want to say I'm sure that they've tweeted this out already. But um, we did get confirmation that Pac will be having his first title defense of the brand new All-Atlantic Championship. And it's taking place at RevPro on July 10th. He will be defending the championship in Sheffield, England against Shota Umino. So Shota. The shooter. Yeah, the shooter will be getting a shot at the All-Atlantic Championship. So Umino versus Pac. I think that's awesome. I think the fact that he's defending the title in RevPro, I mean, that's just classic Pac after he left uh, WWE. Because that man, when he was in RevPro, you couldn't fucking stop him. You couldn't stop him when he's in. I, I I feel like... Pack in England is like Bret Hart in Calgary. Like you want to talk about like literally like people you can't stop in their home countries. You will not beat Pack in England. You just won't do it. I swear. But I, I bet that'll be a great match. So I had to bring that up as well. Um, in terms of our preview for net for this upcoming dynamite that you guys will be seeing uh, tonight by the time this episode comes out, uh, we're getting the thunderstorm match. Yes. We're going to get Thunderstorm facing off against Nyla Rose and Marina Shafir. We're getting an appearance from Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. The Butcher and the Blade are teaming up uh, to face uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, a.k.a. Swerve in our glory. I don't know how much longer that tag team will exist because it seems like there seems to be cracks forming. We're getting the street fight for the team between Scorpio Sky and Wardlow. And then the AEW Interim World Championship will be defended by Jon Moxley against Brody King, uh, the winner of the Royal Rampage match. We're already getting this title match. Should be a damn good show. Um, And yeah, Brody and Mox, I think, are going to have one hell of a match. So, uh, for all of those that don't watch the YouTube show, Butcher and Blade is key. uh, Butcher and Blade and uh, Swerve and Argori was actually built uh, built on Dark. The uh, dark elevation, because Keith Lee and Strider Strickland had been having problems. Uh, they are yep. in the top five. The Butcher and Blade sees their sees the cracks in their foundation. So, and they want to get back in the top five. So they decided to come out and challenge them. Scorpio Sky and Warlow. That is my most intriguing match of the night. I don't know what way they're gonna go. Moxley and Brody King. If you liked Moxley's title run where he literally just fought guys bigger than them and just had slug out matches. That's what this match with Brody King is going to be. It's going to be a fight. It's the one of the reasons that I said John Moxley is one of my favorite champions because he made everyone look good. He took a massive beatings before he finally won. So it's just like John Moxley as the interim emergency champion anytime something bad happens in AEW I am down with because that dude puts on matches every week that entertain the crap out of you and I'm hoping we are building the Moxley versus Jericho too I'm really I would be really excited to get that match uh, especially at coming out of the blood and guts thing maybe we can build the Moxley and Jericho too that's where I see it might be going but if we're building to a war between the House of Black and Blackpool Combat Club Take my money. Take it right now. Take it right now. Yeah. I mean, Literally. I'm just saying, you're talking any version of the three Blackpool Combat Club guy against the de- uh, against the House of Black. Mm-hmm. I'm in. 
all in. Yeah. Here's my money. I think it's going to be great. Um, but that is uh, the preview for Dynamite, and we'll just go real quick to Floyd for any quick final news or headline stuff we want to talk about before we wrap up the show. My good friend Justin Jones, a.k.a. Finn Balor guys showed he posted today on uh, Twitter that uh, the calendar uh, where is it of him? Mm-hmm. All posted, right. He posted today that on the calendar that uh, it looks like uh, that you know it is going to be a, all out. It's still going to be in Hoffman Estates. That he also posted that there was going to be on the second and third. It's like it's going to be a two day fan fest. I saw that earlier today, so I just threw that out there. Grain of salt. Grain of grain, grain of salt. You hear me when I say that. Uh, uh, second of all, uh, it looks like Warner Bro- uh, Warner Media has requested that AEW maybe do more pay per views a year. So uh, Tony Khan said on an interview early this month or early in June, because different month, uh, that uh, the four was great for starting out. They may look to expand that in the future. So you may look out. We may be getting more pay-per-views next year. So those are all the little news and rumors for this week. All right. Well, then I think that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Guys, thank you so much for being patient with us and sticking with us while we were getting ready to return from our small little break. Um, If you guys enjoy the show, keep listening, keep downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or anywhere else you get a podcast, you can give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. Leave a rating and a review. And if you're so inclined, you can leave a a donation through Red Circle, our podcast provider. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex, are the guys that make this show possible. Check out all the shows they have on their network. And like we said, once again, Floyd was on the most recent episode of Keeping It Strong Style where they talked about AEW Forbidden Door. It is a great listen. If you want to get Floyd's full thoughts on Forbidden Door, definitely go ahead and jump in on that episode. Myself on Twitter, I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will go ahead and pass it off to my buddy Floyd so he can close us out on this episode of All Things Elite. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, We appreciate you, and we'll keep giving you the news and the excitement that we uh, offer. But uh, just throw it out there. always try to throw this out there. COVID's still a thing. You know, so watch out, take care of yourself, wash your hands, mask up if necessary, and just understand it is not gone yet. Uh, but I just want you to look out for people. Just uh, my uncle had it, so I had it for my second time, so it's fun. Uh, it's not fun, <laughs> it's not fun, and but yeah, just uh, make sure you're out. And when you're on social media, this come from my message earlier be nice to people. Uh, I have always taken a tone that I don't really say anything on social media that I wouldn't say to a person's face. So if you take that idea, most of you would be in a better place. I know we're never going to be a perfect world, but we can get 1% better every day. So I'll leave you with that. And to that, I say, whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be a
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.